What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Coban. It's January 7, 2022, the first podcast in 2022, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 69. In this episode, I'll be talking about how you can lose weight without tracking your calories. It is possible to lose weight without tracking. It just might be a little bit harder. So I suggest some strategies that could help you in regards to that. And again, I go over how you can get fit and healthy within your own home since the government has imposed yet another lockdown in my hometown. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. All right, well, this week hasn't been great, especially if you live in Ontario, Canada, like me, and we'll get into why that is later. So first off, we'll just recap some of my days from this week before getting into some sports. I don't really have any news to talk about this week since I haven't really been paying attention to that lately. So going back like five days ago, this past Sunday, I played basketball indoors for the first time in probably three years. Now, I did play basketball outside last summer when I was rehabbing my shoulder a bit, and that's a time when the gyms were still closed around me, so... Regardless, it's been a few months since I even touched a basketball, and it was just a scrimmage with a bunch of Filipino kids, basically. And I'm not going to lie, I did not play well at all, which is to be expected, honestly, and most of us there were super rusty anyway, so it didn't really matter that much, but I just expected more of myself, of course. I definitely, oh my, I definitely did my best Russell Westbrook impression on that court, that's for sure. Probably shot like 5 for 57, if I had to guess. (laughs) And I was like 0 for 12 from 3-point range. And that really wasn't my fault because in this gym, the line was not regulation. So it was throwing me off. I swear that's, that's the real reason. Look at me just pretending I'm a professional or some shit. Every single shot I took from 3 was long. So I have to adjust my shot according to my gains for the next time, I guess. There was this one shot specifically that I just looked at it and I was like, oh yes, finally, that one's going in. And then it hit all backboard. (laughs) After that, I was like, okay, I'm done shooting now. But my shooting wasn't even the worst part. Of course, I stay pretty active. I get in some walks and do the Stairmasters throughout the week. I lift at least four times a week, but of course, that's not going to prepare me for playing basketball full court. I was gassed within the first 10 minutes, but like I said, most people playing, I mean, they've probably felt the same too, but yeah, after the first 10 minutes of running up and down the court, jumping up and down for rebounds, my mouth was just completely dry. I was exhausted. I was out of breath and I still ended up playing for nearly two hours, but my body was absolutely wrecked. 
Luckily, I had a lot of water and Gatorade with me because I don't know how I would have survived that ball run without that. I was like feeling pain in my quads from running, which was a feeling I never felt before. I had some cramping in my right foot and in my abs at some points, but whatever. It's still a great time and I'm probably still trying to get back to a resting heart rate, even right now, and it's been a few days since then. And in these past few days, I actually only went to the gym once this week, and that was on Tuesday. I did a full body workout, some pull-ups, some rows, some bench press, squats, and deadlifts, but that's it really. Nothing special about that workout, but that was my first and only workout of the week. And that's because on Monday, the government announced that the gyms would be closing. The gyms, I mean, wait, what? Uh, That the gyms would be closing on Wednesday, which is now two days ago. Yes, the gyms are closed again where I live. You know, it's always when you're at peak strength, like when you're the strongest you've ever been, and then that's when something goes wrong. So injuries used to be my limiting factor in the past, but now it's good old COVID-19. An awesome start to the new year, I say sarcastically. It's been pretty depressing without the gym the past few days. I'm having to revert back to online video calls with clients or house calls if they don't have COVID. But it seems like over half of my clients at this point have been in contact with someone who has been having COVID symptoms or has tested positive. It's been a crazy week, really. So that, I mean, that's basically been my week. I've been slowly pushing my clients towards shifting their focus to mobility and single joint movements now. And I've been doing the exact same thing with my not-so-structured home workouts right now, but I'll clean it up this weekend and get myself and everyone else back into a regular routine. And yeah, that means no more benching for me, so that's probably the saddest part for I don't know how long. They said two weeks, but I mean, it'll probably be a few months, I assume. So now my training isn't really about strength right now. I'm working out at home yet again. So I won't be able to get my strength up. Now my training is going to be more focused on slowing down the negative portion of my reps, the eccentric part, but I can only slow down the movement so much. So this also means I'll be back to focusing more on mobility, of course, which is what I've done the past few lockdowns at this point. But this year, actually, it's a lot. uh, It's a little bit different, I'll say from past lockdowns because before when we were locked down at least it was in the summertime and I could still go out for walks or into my backyard enjoy the sun and the heat and the weather while I work out or do my mobilities or whatever in the in the backyard but right now yeah it's in the middle of winter so that's gonna make things a little bit tougher for me and for everyone else in my situation right now and oh man I feel a rant coming on soon But like, closing the gyms again when they should be essential places? Seriously. But then again, I understand if people don't see it that way. But they should just make masks mandatory even while working out. That's the only solution. Even though no one would really listen. So, I guess I see both sides here. I mean, really, nobody's gonna pass out while working out at a commercial gym. They already cut the capacity a few weeks ago to 50%, but with these new measures, gyms and community centers are just closed. That's it. Just think about how not having the gyms open, uh, imagine how that impacts health. This could be a topic all on its own, 
but obviously health is going to deteriorate when there's no access to gyms, especially if it's wintertime. It's like a double whammy, basically. I mean, even in regards to mental health, exercise has been shown to be beneficial. The gym is somewhere to go when you're wanting to strengthen your body, strengthen your immune system, helping your body naturally fight off all kinds of diseases. Forget about how strong your bench press or your squat or deadlift is. Think about how you feel after going to the gym when those endorphins are flowing through you and think about the benefits that come with uh, come from sorry being physically active. It really makes no sense for a facility where everyone should be at least double vaccinated. If the employees are doing their job, it makes no sense to close the gyms down. That being said, again, you can still make progress at home, and I'll cover that later. Oh, that's not all. Car racing tracks are closed too. Again, another one that makes no sense at all. Let that sink in. At a racetrack, everyone is just in their cars driving around a course. I mean, make it make sense. And indoor dining is closed, I believe, but hey, guess what? Doug Ford and our government say that outdoor dining is still allowed. That's perfect. I mean, it was only like, what, negative 15 degrees earlier this week? Like, come on, man. I mean, no, no, here, I'll, I guess I'll just enjoy my medium rare steak outside on the patio. And it's frozen again. <laughs> Last thing about all of this, because I think Doug Ford could be in office for the next four years, which is just scary to think about. They kept on bringing up this word of the week, absenteeism, along with bringing back these restrictions to blunt the curve of the Omicron variant. So last year was all about flattening the curve. Now Ford's crew is talking about blunting the curve. God, this is never going to end. Anyways, okay, moving along. And onto tennis for a second. I bet you never thought I'd say that. But we'll go from tennis to basketball pretty quick here because Novak Djokovic thought he would be playing at the Australian Open. I believe that starts soon or has already started. I don't follow tennis, that's a confession. But his vaccine exemption, since he is one of those unvaccinated athletes, well, his visa got denied and I believe he's in a quarantine hotel at this moment and. He has his lawyers on the case right now. The government is against him playing, but some head of sports minister or something, he says that he's going to play, so I don't know exactly how this will play out. But speaking of unvaccinated athletes, this is where we go to the NBA, where Kyrie Irving is back to playing again, and he actually looked pretty good so far. That's considering he hasn't played a game yet, I mean before this, but he had, I think, more than 20 points in the first game this year. Even Clay Thompson is coming back, too. He's, I mean, he's not an anti-vaxxer, though. He just got injured way back in the finals against the Raptors in 2019, which, man, that seems like it was so long ago now. And I saw this post on Reddit about how he's actually made more money during his recent time off and recovering from this injury and this rehab for the past, like, two years, oh, more than two years now, maybe? And he's actually made, like, more money playing, like, rehabbing this injury as opposed to playing the first few years of his career since he signed this, like, huge deal before the injury. So I think he's made, like, almost $80 million from this rehab process, and he made, like, 70 before that, like, when he was actually playing. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty insane. I think he's made almost, or he's made more than $150 million from the NBA alone so far in his career. All right, anyway, so on to some TV stuff since this new lockdown, that's not really a lockdown apparently, that's going to force me to watch more TV and I'm probably going to be sitting down more often, that's just the reality. I've been watching season 4 of Cobra Kai on Netflix, I'm not done yet, but I have a few more episodes to go. And yo, that show is still pretty good, 4 seasons in. The jokes are still the same and the plot seems to repeat itself over and over again, but it's still worth it to watch, especially because it's only 10 episodes per season and it's around, I think, less than 40 minutes, so it's an easy binge watch. I even ended up watching or re-watching the Avengers movies with my mom recently. It was her first time watching it, though. So we watched a little bit of Infinity War while I watched, like, the last half, I guess. And then we watched Endgame again. Man, they're so good. And now she's going to watch Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time soon, too. So that should be a good one. And quickly, before I get into the fitness topics today, it's the first week of 2022. You know what that means. CES has begun. I remember before this used to just be about the newest netbooks. Just remember those. Or companies would be showing off their latest laptops, computers, and TVs. But I don't think there's been too exciting in that space for a while. So I haven't really paid too much attention to that. I'm sure it's all about robots and AR type of stuff now. I don't really know. But two headlines actually did pop out at me. First, we'll talk about Sony. They showed off their new PlayStation Productions logo, along with a confirmation that the PlayStation VR 2 is coming. And I don't know if it's been confirmed that this one will be shipping in quarter two of this year, so we could actually have this in stores this summer, I guess. So the VR 2 is that headset for virtual reality. I have yet to even put on any of those VR headsets, so I haven't tried the Oculus or the original PlayStation VR, and I doubt I'll pick this one up for the PS5 either, but it's still pretty cool. The screen inside the headset is OLED and runs up to 4K HDR, so at least it's up to date there. I think I also read that there's eye tracking, I don't know what that means, and I think I also read that it vibrates or something. I think I read that there's a motor somewhere and to help you feel objects going by, or like wind maybe? Maybe you'll feel like a hurricane. I have no idea. It seems pretty cool, but maybe I should have dove deeper into this, so let me just pull up the part that I read here. Alright, here I got it. Okay, so, headset feedback is a new sensory feature that amplifies the sensations of in-game actions from the player. It's created by a single built-in motor with vibrations that add an intelligent tactile element, whoa, bringing players closer to the gameplay experience. For example, gamers can feel a character's elevated pulse during tense moments, the rush of objects passing close to the character's head, oh my god, just feel like a bullet whizzing by, or, sorry, <laughs> or the thrust of a vehicle as the character speeds forward. Hmm, okay. Additionally, PS5's Tempest 3D audio tech makes sounds in the player's surroundings come alive, adding to this new level of immersion. Okay, I guess that kind of seems like vibration. Maybe they just have like a speaker. 
I don't know, just imagine though, PSVR 2. It's now updated, this is the new version, and it seems like it'll come with more technology for even better headaches this time around. <laughs> alright, alright. Side note, Sony also has those colorful faceplates for the PS5 that should be coming out this month. I think some people got them shipped out early, but I really want a red one. Oh, and probably a black one. They're more than $50 each though, so we'll see. I still need a second controller as well, and that's going to cost another 100 bucks. And yeah, that red one, the red controller, red PS5, oh, oh man, can't wait. Anyways, okay, back to CES. Okay, the last part of this first portion of the episode, okay. We got this crazy concept from BMW, I'm sure you've seen it, color-changing car using e-ink technology that's from the kindle or other ebook e-reader things that was actually pretty cool it changes pretty much instantly i think there's a button you actually press but it reminds me of one of those billboards that change every few seconds like it has that kind of transition so since it is using e-ink technology though the car can only change into three colors black white or gray which aren't the most exciting colors BMW has also said that they have no plans to put this tech into a production model, so there's that. I think it would be pretty cool though, just imagine writing random messages on the side of your car when the, you know, when the technology gets good enough or something like that. Question 1. How to lose weight without tracking calories? This one is a question I always get asked. On here, I've been preaching about tracking your calories, and that'll give you more knowledge about the foods you eat and your diet, uh, sorry, diet tendencies going forward. You'll find out that bread as we know it contains a bunch of sugar. Again, that's fine in moderation. Sugar and also salt can actually be beneficial for you if you are an active person in general. The positive side of tracking calories and actually reflecting on it is that it could give you more understanding about what you're eating. You'll start to see and know what a balanced meal looks like. The thing is, most people don't want to track. The smartest way, I think, to go about losing weight and taking full control when it comes to seeing exactly what you eat will or how what you will eat will impact you, the smartest way would be to track for a few weeks, maybe a few months. And over time, you'll see that you won't need the food scale uh, after a certain amount of time because you're able to eyeball your food and you can just go from there. After a while, this is where the term intuitive eating comes from. You're able to eat basically whatever you want because you have the knowledge and experience and you just learn more about your body. Weighing your food is just a temporary step in order for you to just eat normally every day without, uh, sorry, without worrying about if the food will cause a one pound gain on the scale, for example. If you don't want to go that route, the food tracking route, then that's fine. There's a few options you can do if you're still looking to lose weight, but you also don't want to go out and buy a food scale and quote unquote waste time weighing your food every single day. So there's a few strategies that you can use. They're all pretty simple solutions actually. It just comes down to trying just one of these strategies out, and I'm sure they're going to make a difference. So the first one, first piece of advice here is to drink water before your meals. 
So we're talking about losing weight without tracking calories here. And this is a solid strategy to use. Why? Because if you drink water before you eat your meals, your stomach will be fuller from said liquid, and this should, in turn, cause you to eat less. And this works because the liquid you have before your meal will fill up your stomach, so that could send your brain the signal that you're more full than you'd be if you hadn't had the drink. I mean, just think about when you're eating food, and you get to that point where you're 80% full. Now, there's two options here. You could grab more food, and then that'll probably lead to you uh, end up, you're going to end up getting to that point where you're so full you can't even move. Somewhere you, that's not somewhere you really want to be. That one's happened to me a lot over the years. But option two, when you're 80% full, if you just decide to have water, it just fills up the space in your stomach and you might not be feeling full anymore. Not only that, it's healthier for you because water and those elements are used to fuel your uh, fuel your body. I don't know why I'm like tongue-tied right now. Um, yeah, so water fuels your body just like what food does within your body. And that'll also regulate your digestive system. And this just creates better habits when it comes to eating. Like, you don't really want to eat until you get to the point where it hurts to move, but... We've all been there before, we just gotta learn from that. Another strategy you can use that won't take much effort, you can simply just try eating with your other hand. This one seems stupid, I know, but there's actually been studies to prove that this works. You end up becoming more mindful about what you're doing because when you use your dominant hand, the right hand for most people, it just becomes simple for you to do it because you've been eating two plus meals every day for your whole life and you're mainly using your right or dominant hand. Eating is basically as easy as breathing at this point in your life. It just comes so naturally. If you were to change your spoon to your non-dominant hand, so that would be most people's left hand, the studies have actually shown that eating with your non-dominant hand actually causes you to eat less, and therefore increasing the likelihood that you eat less calories. Again, that's because you have to actually focus on exactly what you're doing. That might have you think twice about eating more food. Side note, you can even try using a smaller plate. Smaller plate means less food on your plate, which could lead to eating less calories. And you can also just try chewing your food more. That's another quick tip there. And these have all been backed by a bit of research as well. Next up, we have one that most of us will fall subject to. And that's, don't eat in front of devices like a TV or iPad or phone. And this is, a, this is where you're mindlessly eating. Regardless if you're someone who needs to lose weight or not, this is a habit that you might want to take a look at and see if it might be having a negative impact on your health. This is another one where mindfulness comes in. If you're watching TV, you're not really taking in what you're doing and just eating and distracting yourself from... Whatever you're feeling, if you're still hungry or not, you might just keep eating because you're that distracted. I do this one pretty often though, but if I've been having dinner at home lately, I actually have been trying to just not go on YouTube or Netflix for those times. I used to spend minutes just wasting time looking for the perfect 10 minute video to watch, but now when I eat, I'll have a podcast running in the background or something, or sometimes I just eat in the silence. It be like that sometimes, you know? 
So rounding up this question here, there's some diet tips I can talk about as well. So we'll start with eating more plant-based foods if you're tracking, or sorry, if you're looking to lose weight without tracking. I don't mean vegetarian or vegan, no need to go that extreme. If you're not tracking your calories and still want to eat a lot of food, then this is the way to go. So usually your plate of food is going to be something like rice or pasta and chicken or beef or whatever. Well, if we're talking about eating more plant-based foods, that means rice with chicken with broccoli or asparagus on the side or something like that. If you really want to get stingy about all of this, eat the vegetables first. It'll fill your stomach up before you dive into the proteins and carbs. I do think that's a good order to eat in if you're really trying to be OCD about all of this. The vegetables should be eaten first, then the proteins, which I'll talk more about in a minute, and then you have your carbs after that. The carbs are usually going to be the least important of the three there. Like when you're prepping your meal on your plate, the more you can replace your carbs with leafy greens, the better. But like I said, it's good to have a pretty good balance there. Ideally, 50% of your plate should be vegetables, so work up to that. And generally speaking, the remaining 50% should be split pretty evenly between proteins and carbs. No need to go too extreme and cut one of them out. But if you're looking to lose weight without tracking calories, then one of the easiest ways to do that is by substituting some carbs over to vegetables. That'll benefit you in so many ways. You'll be getting in micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, vegetables are better for your heart, and chances are that also means less consumed calories compared to a diet where you're trying to get full off of just carbs and proteins alone. It's no secret that vegetables, especially leafy green ones, they're good for your health, everyone knows that, but that's usually the odd part of the meal that we forget to include. And if health is your goal, and if weight loss is one of your goals, then you should be aiming to eat more vegetables during your meals. This works the same way as drinking water before your meals. Again, it's about filling up your stomach to feel less hungry and more full. That being said, another way to fill up your stomach is to eat more protein. I've talked about this so many times before, but eating protein gives you that satiety. That feeling that you're full because they're dense molecules that'll take a bit longer to break down. Protein will also be beneficial when it comes to packing on muscle mass or even keeping the current muscle you have on your body. Muscle is good because that comes along with its own benefits and the more muscle you have, the more calories you'll be burning at rest, which is a state that most of us are in for the majority of the day. Of course, fiber gets a mention as well. It'll fill you up and keep you healthier by regulating your bowel movements. It could be a simple solution to get, uh, getting rid of some of the bloat you might have. I want to say more than 90% of people are lacking adequate fiber in their diet. So look into that if you're, again, looking for a simple solution. This is one that I'll also have to start paying more attention to going forward. And I think last but not least... Even more sleep could help you lose weight without tracking calories. That's simply because there's going to be a smaller window for you to eat. Just think about what happens when you sleep at 10 or 11 at night. You have your dinner at 7 or maybe 8 or whatever. Then that's usually going to be the last meal if you sleep that early. Now, what happens when you stay up until midnight? That might mean chocolate, 
chips, popcorn, which actually isn't a bad snack, but maybe cookies or something like that. That's going to mean more calories and probably not great calories either because this usually means snacking, which means excess sugar you're having right before bed, which could decrease sleep quality. Plus, you're not using that sugar and giving that sugar more chance to store in your body as body fat. Again, snacking isn't completely unhealthy, but there are times where when you have it, that could be an unhealthy time and an unhealthy habit that you might get into if you regularly sleep at midnight or even later. So most of these strategies will help you eat less calories. Keep in mind though that just eating low calories isn't going to work forever unless you want to eat 1200 calories every day for the rest of your life. I've said before, a low calorie diet is not sustainable forever. So when you do have one of those cheat days or cheat meals or whatever, you're going to see that uh, you're going to see that weight on the scale. You're going to see it increase. And this is going to create that bad habit with food. So if you find that you're eating these low amount of calories all the time and not losing weight, then you are going to have to start exercising and working out to build muscle, which will increase your metabolism. So if you're currently losing weight on 1200 calories, if you were to resistance train, get in a good routine and in a few months, you might lose weight on 1800 calories instead. So just imagine being able to eat more and lose weight. It makes it so much easier. That's the ideal place you want to get to over time. Question two, how to get healthy in your own home. So before I dive into this topic, I was going to talk about something else today actually, but I only decided to change the topic at the last minute to something like this because of the recent lockdown that was implemented where I live. So I was originally supposed to talk about gym etiquette here because this is usually a time in the year where there's a new crowd at the gym. So I felt like it would be a good time to give them tips. But since there is a lockdown where I am right now, I'll talk about that one maybe on another day, maybe next month. All right. So I actually already talked about this on the podcast before. So you might have heard me say some of these tips before, but I'm sure they're going to help someone listening to this right now. So how exactly can you start working out in your own home? So to make progress, you just got to do a little bit more than what you're currently doing. That's going to be progress right there. It's that simple. I've mentioned this before already. Invest in yourself. Get some resistance bands that are adjustable and find ones on Amazon with one of those straps that you can put into the door jam. That'll really allow you to do a full body workout with those. Resistance training is going to be the single most important thing that you can do in order to lose weight, to get healthier, and to get stronger. The best way to do this, since you are at home already, just wake up maybe a half hour before you usually would, before your 8 a.m. online meeting or your Zoom call or whatever it is, and then just start the day with some movement. doesn't even have to be structured. For some people, that might mean getting out of bed and just going through a full body stretching routine. That could help you feel a little bit better throughout the day. Or maybe you're going to wake up in the morning and do some resistance training, which could set the good mood for the rest of the day. And if you don't want to do it in the morning, then just do it throughout the day. Let's face it. I don't think I have any CEOs listening to this right now. So I don't think you're responsible for running a company along with hundreds of employees. So if you are listening to this, 
you're probably working for somebody else. And I'm sure that whatever you're working on is, isn't cancer research or something, so there's more important things in this world. And if you don't have five minutes to spare, whether that's to go to the bathroom, get water, go downstairs, walk around, then maybe it's time to change your job unless you really love what you do. But man, the easiest thing to do is just break up your workday and maybe hour intervals and just get up and move for a minute or two. That's all it takes. Just so you're not morphing into that hunched over computer position all day, that's just going to lead to health problems and you're not going to know where it came from even though you sit in this really awkward position at your desk all day. Just get up and move for a little bit. This will make a huge difference in the way you feel and look and probably your mood as well. Again, if you're someone completely sedentary, that means you take maybe less than 5,000 steps a day. That happened to me maybe twice this week. And it's actually pretty common since there's still a large majority of the people still working from home. This is when walking has its place. You gotta get more movement in. When it comes to getting started, one of the easiest ways is just walking. That'll require the least amount of effort, you need no equipment, and you barely need any space. Just walk around outside if you can, or even just indoors will be okay. It's not like your body knows when you're in a gym and knows that's the only time to burn calories or build strength. That gym is just there. It's just a building where you can focus and you can have all the tools you'll need to stay healthy. But of course, you can do this within your own home with the proper tools. And walking, regardless if you're on a treadmill or just doing chores or whatever, it's going to be more sustainable if you can get into a routine where you're taking nearly 10,000 steps a day without the need for a gym that could just close up shop tomorrow. Moving more is going to cause you to burn more calories. And at first, movement doesn't even need to be intense. You need those easy wins at first to continue to make progress going forward. I always preach about just doing a little bit more day by day, week over week. General recommendations are to work out 30 minutes three times a week, but like I said, that's a general recommendation. And if you're pretty sedentary, 30 minutes three times a week, sorry, three times, three times a week, three times a week, that sounds like a daunting task. That's why it's good to just start slow, start with just five minutes if you really hate exercise. That'll make a difference compared to doing zero minutes of exercise. Journaling helps here when it comes to keeping track of your physical activity. And I talked about resistance bands or adjustable dumbbells and how beneficial that could be. But working out, even without resistance bands, you can do a lot of body weight movements that could help you improve your health. And you could definitely get stronger that way as well. Think about doing push-ups. So I'm actually starting to work on these wall handstand push-ups. But even just getting up to the wall and upside down without shaking, that's already tough for me. But after just a week or so, I've seen huge progress there. So I'm definitely getting some kind of gain there and some kind of muscle growth and stability. Remember that there will be setbacks here. There will be days you don't want to do much. And on those days, you don't have to resistance train. Think about just doing something that'll benefit you. Just spend five minutes doing something else other than sitting or lying down or spending another five minutes on your phone, whatever it is. Maybe that means not scrolling social media and refreshing for the hundredth time today 
or going online shopping for no reason, even though you have no intention of buying anything. Spend that time instead. Just do some stretching five minutes, walk around for five minutes. Maybe that means meditating for a few minutes, reflecting on your day, and whether or not you've been making positive changes to your life lately. Trust me, you'll be on your phone for hours every single day anyway. You can make the sacrifice. Spend this year trying to create better habits for yourself. And if you are doing those mobility drills and taking this time to work on yourself, then by the time the gyms do open up, maybe you are more comfortable with working out and being in that kind of environment. And if you're in my situation where you've been in a gym routine for a few years now, if you're doing the mobility drills and still working out at home, you know what? If you don't have gym access, yes, you're going to lose some of your strength and some of your gains, but it's not the end of the world. If you're doing something with this time off, if you're actually using the time wisely, then you're not going to set yourself back far at all. You should be in a better position a month from now, focusing on your weaknesses, and it'll be much easier for you to get back to that point where you once were. Muscle memory is going to happen because that's where it's easier to put on the muscle that you lost with the time off. It's easier to regain old muscle as opposed to creating new muscle from scratch. That means it's going to be easier to get back to benching 225 again or whatever it is. It won't take as long as the first time you got to that milestone because of that muscle memory. So if you are looking to get healthy and you've been stuck in the house, then try some of what I just went over. Walk a bit more, work out with weights or just body weight, move a little bit more, clean up the diet a little bit, that doesn't hurt. Combine the things I've said from both topics together and that should get you started on conquering this new year. Create good habits and move better and you'll live a long, happy, healthy life. And that concludes episode 69 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.